What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Domcast, episode 10. 10, as in the amount of years it's been since the Derrick Rose MVP season. Yeah, I just, I had a reckoning about that today. It's There's things that's happening in my life, or things that have happened in my life 10 years ago that I can vividly remember now. That's not a great sign. Um, 10, as in the amount of Super Bowls that Tom Brady has now reached. As of today, yeah, I've been paying a little bit of attention to football. I don't care about football at all, but being that I've been streaming Madden, uh, off and on, really. I think last time was the first time in probably like a month or something or three weeks. But yeah, I started paying a little bit of attention. And mostly with Brady, I was just fascinated about the fact that every single time, and this is like constant since I've been a middle schooler, every single time I poke my head in at the end of an NFL season, Brady is either close to being in the Super Bowl or he is in the Super Bowl. And so I particularly became interested this year interested this year because he left the Patriots and I, I had always heard the things about the system QB and his coach and all these other things so I was interested in where it would land and <laughs> he is in Tampa Bay and another Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes nonetheless um yeah I, I, I always watch the Super Bowl this year I, I watched the uh last two rounds that have happened so against uh you know I, I actually didn't really yeah I watched both of those I watched both of them either way we're here now and uh, because I played Madden a little bit, I have somewhat of an idea of what's going on on the field. I see the plays, and I can understand why somebody would do a certain thing. So it's not as quite it's not as quite as boring to watch as it has been in other years for me. So yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe <laughs> I say this every single season, or uh, I say this every single Super Bowl. I'm like, maybe next year is the year I actually start watching football. Keep track of that. I'm pretty sure I said it about two or three times in the last two or three years in my time on YouTube. Well, anyways, this is not an NFL podcast, but we did have, uh, it's a milestone podcast, this is number 10, and we had a couple of things relating to that. Um, as far as content this weekend, I really didn't post on YouTube a whole lot. I posted on the main channel once, I believe, that Harden video that took hella time to make the Harden career recap video like I did for Kevin Durant. I really like doing those, so got one of those out. And aside from that, I don't even think I posted on this channel. I've been streaming mostly. I started streaming Smash Bros, and I think some of it is actually good enough to be on this channel, so look out for that. Alongside the Play Now Online videos, because I have plenty stored in the, uh, I guess you just call it queue. Yeah, plenty of those coming up, and then yes, Smash Bros P&O will be um, mixed in between with that. I didn't get the VOD 2K this week, but once again, it's an archive, so it's not incredibly important, and it'll be there when it's there. Well, that brings us to our regularly scheduled NBA talk. 
Don't have to waste a whole lot of time. Wow, I just realized I do not have a creator highlight this week. <laughs> I just realized that because normally I record these on Monday morning. I'm doing this one on Sunday night. I'll come up with one by the time we get to the end. When we get to that point, I'm sure I'll have formulated something. Well, this uh, this this week in the NBA, it's been dominated once again by health and safety protocol. Mostly, well, I would say towards the beginning, it was talk about the Nets because they got, I, I yeah, I guess smacked would be an appropriate word, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, that was our first look at the Nets together as a big three. Then they played the Heat. Well, what was left of the Heat. So it was like mildly warm, if you will. That was a good one. And I guess what Pete, well, first of all, people watched Cleveland. <laughs> I felt like going against the Nets was the first time people actually uh, paid attention to the Cavaliers this year. And I think a lot of people figured out like, oh, wait, the Cavaliers aren't trash. Not because they won a couple of games against a good team. Anybody can do that in a regular season, right? But you looked at the makings of what's there with uh, Sexton and then Garland came in in the next game, and uh, they're going to end up trading Andre Drummond is the word on the streets because they got Jared Allen basically for free, and if you watch them on the defensive end, you, you can see something in the making. That doesn't even guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs this year or that they're going to be uh, anything this year because right now they could easily still fall out, but you can see that there is something forming there. It's not like some other teams that are a bit lower than them where you're just like, what the hell is going on here? It's just a blob, right? The Cavaliers are no longer a blob post-LeBron, so that's pretty cool. That's a positive thing for them. But of course, everybody is more interested in the Brooklyn Nets. I made a tweet, as I often do. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I made a tweet last night about the stat lines that Biggs have put on the Brooklyn Nets head tops. There we go. Yeah, there it is. So, big men versus Brooklyn so far. You had Vucevic of the Orlando Magic with 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. I think he had like 5 threes in that game, too. Giannis. Giannis. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Nance, Drummond, and Allen in the first game they played, or my bad, I think that was, uh, that was the second one. In the second one they played against the Nets, they combined for 53 points and 32 rebounds in one game. Nance, Drummond, and Allen. I, I didn't say anything. None of those names were crazy, right? These are decent players, and Drummond and Allen are even good players. Nance is good. Too. I'm getting into details that I don't need to get into. This is nothing. These aren't crazy names, but they <laughs> they were eating that night. Adebayo comes in with a career high. That was a very predictable career high. He put up 41 points and 9 assists. People's, well, mostly Nets Twitter, their rebuttal to that was, oh, but a lot of those were tough shots. And my rebuttal to that is, yeah. But again, when you have Adebayo on Jeff Green, or Jeff Green on Bam Adebayo, these things happen. Because there just isn't a defender that you have for a guy like him. You don't have a defender for a guy like Joel Embiid, who you will probably see in the playoffs. And the bonus, I could actually give you this one. The bonus, was, Sexton is not a big man. And, of course, we know he he 40-balled Kyrie, <clears throat> 42 to be exact, in Kyrie's and wearing his jersey number. But, yeah, no, those, okay, that I'll give you. Those were just some incredibly, he, he got on a hot streak. I think he scored, like, 20 straight points. He was hitting sidestep threes. It, it was getting disrespectful. The man had game breaker. I, I give you that one. That was less about terrible defense and more about this guy was just in the zone. Which, by the way, when I, once I saw that tweet that the person made about him uh, doing it in Kyrie's jersey, because Sexton wears number two if you've never watched a Cleveland game, I hadn't actually, it hadn't come to my mind that, wow, the Cavaliers actually gave away Kyrie's jersey. I don't know why I never thought of that. Uh, obviously, there, it was a very, it was a less than graceful exit. It, it wasn't a good time 
his, the things that happened there and LeBron was still there. So I understand how it happened, but it, it was just weird to me. It didn't occur to me that the, the player that hit the most important shot in their franchise's history, his jersey is already... <laughs> It's already on a player that maybe one day will be held in the same stature in that franchise. Who knows, right? Well, that's an entirely different conversation. That's not the one we want to have here. What are the Nets going to do about this, right? Because those are some monster stats that I read off, and those are all consecutive, right? So they played the Magic, then they played the Bucks, and then they played the Cavs twice, and they played the Heat. This is all, like, in a row. This isn't, like, a couple of days later. This isn't, like, they played another team, and, oh, that big man didn't actually go off. No, every big has gone off on them so far. And... It's a very easily identifiable thing. DeAndre Jordan is not a starting center on the defensive end in the NBA anymore. He's just not. He's just not. And I love DJ from the uh, the prime Lob City squads, right? And there was a time when he was a magnificent defender and rim protector. Uh, but, wow, he... How, first of all, let me just see how old he is because it's almost like he went off the radar for a little bit after the Clippers happened. You don't really see much of this guy anymore. And then he pops back up and he's on that end of the floor just washed. DJ's 32 years old. Yeah, so DJ's 32 years old, not in his athletic prime anymore. And uh, it's so there, there's certain plays, right? Like there was one play where I thought he could have easily ran back on defense and got something of a chase down block or a good contest. And it wasn't even like a, a crazy effort he would have had to make. It was, he was right there and he just didn't go for it. In space, so when teams put him in the pick and roll, he can't do anything with that. Just, there, there's nothing you're going to get from DeAndre Jordan. There's no showing, there's no, uh, I'm, I'm going to come out and cover you until you can get back. Just, just there's nothing, fam. There's nothing. They're going to get killed in those situations. They have gotten killed in those situations so far. If it's a one-on-one -on -one situation on Andre, or I was about to say Andre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan, I saw Jared Allen giving him hook shots the other day. I saw Cavs big men just giving him hook shots like he was a cone, a literal cone. And so then the Adebayo thing comes up, and again, by the end of the game, it's like, okay, we're not even going to have DJ out here. This is pointless. Problem is, that's your only, that's basically your only, only center. The other one is the backup big man, Perry. I don't think he's ready for prime time yet. So the catch to all this is, of course, Brooklyn has two spots, two roster spots open. They are apparently pursuing JaVale McGee. And uh, I, I did want to read off specifically. Yeah, they they were granted the disabled player exception worth $5.7 for the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie, who has that torn ACL or partially torn ACL, whatever the exact reason was. And so they can do some things. And they're going to have to do some things. They're going to have to do some things because the playoffs are all about matchups. That's how the Bucks got beat last year by that Miami Heat. And that's why you could see it coming from a mile away. You go back and watch my prediction video. You go back and watch what I said about Brooklyn the whole year after I watched them play the Heat a couple of times. I picked that one out from a mile away because it was a very clear, there was a very clear line there that the Bucks just couldn't get over, which was they build a wall on Giannis, the rest of the team suffers, he suffers, that series. That's pretty much how that one went. And with the Nets, you might be tempted to just look at it and say, oh, well, there's no way with Kyrie, Harden, and KD, they're going to lose to certain teams. But that's one of the things that is unique about this big three, right? Which is something I didn't say last week because there was a lot of excitement. But it's not hard to see. Nobody in this big three is a 
defensive stalwart. As a matter of fact, two of them you might even call liabilities on the defensive end, given either their size or their effort, whatever the reason may be. You can call two of them liabilities, and one of them is just not really a good defender or a great defender at all. And in every big three like the ones we were listing last week, you always had at least one guy. KG, Defensive Player of the Year once, Tim Duncan, obviously one of the greatest defensive players of all time. The Miami Heat, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade on the wings, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's that's defensive hell for people. And so even when the Heat, because that, that's the main comparison I see people drawing now. Because if you watch the Nets game, look, if you're not a biased Nets fan, you're worried about what you saw in that uh, the Heat game, the Nets Heat game that took place last night. You're worried about that, man. You're worried about that. They were missing Avery Bradley, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. That is three important pieces that will probably be there in the playoffs. And it wasn't like the Heat just had some furious rally and came back and caught the Nets by surprise at the end, even though the end of that game was hella weird. It was more like I was watching that game and it never really felt like the Nets had totally pulled away. You were just watching it like, okay, you were waiting for the explosion when they were just, when was it going to be over? And it just never, it never actually came. And they, they were right there. They were one mistake away from losing that game. And so I saw, <clears throat> I saw a couple of Nets fans saying, oh yeah, well, it doesn't matter. We've won all these games. We, we, we won this one. We beat the Heat. Yeah, of course it counts for a W, but we're, we're trying to kind of extrapolate a little bit, right? Trying to look a little bit of what is this playoff matchup going to be like if we have to beat this team four times. Healthy. Those are the type of things you're looking at. Yeah, you got the W. Win's a win, but it's really not that black and white. And right now, what I'm looking at with the Nets is, well, first of all, go back to my podcast. I'm glad I, I said what I said. I would die on the hill once again. Kyrie Harden and KD healthy, I believe, are going to be champions one day. That's what I said. I also said that I didn't really think it was going to happen this year. Now, if it does, it does. But I also would have to see how they patch up some of these deficiencies. Because what's going to happen when you have to guard Joel Embiid, who right now is probably leading the MVP race, right? Embiid is having a monster year. And you're going to see this team... And Bam just put 41 on you. All these big guys are putting up just amazing stats on you. But Bam specifically just put up 41 on you. That's also somebody else you're going to have to see in the playoffs. JaVale McGee, people, of course, ask, what do you think about that pickup? Because that seems like something that they're after. Well, first of all, I wonder what they're actually going to move for that. Um, You kind of start looking, and maybe not just in a JaVale McGee type deal, but you kind of start looking at Joe Harris and wondering does he finish this does he does he finish this season there he's an important piece and he does even more for this team than just shoot but the nets are not short on shooting and scoring right now because that's the one thing that you're very optimistic about if you're watching brooklyn is on the offensive end even if you had a night with uh the against the heat where james harden only scored 12 points Yes, we knew it was going to look a little bit different. James Harden does seem to, right now, be trying to figure out how to play when Kyrie Irving is on the floor. Him and KD play way together just with each other. So I don't think that's anything that actually shocked us. But again, they those three can pretty much figure it out. KD and Kyrie basically took turns just dubbing the Heat the other night. Once again, Jimmy Butler not out there. Didn't have some primary defenders, but there's not that many defenders out there that are going to be giving KD and Kyrie super tough times, especially not on the floor together. And then having Harden there with what, whatever gravity he might be exerting. So that does kind of bring you to Joe Harris because you start looking at, okay, well, where's the trade value on this roster? And that immediately brings you, that's the fourth guy right now. That's, he had 23 that night. I think he had like seven threes or something. Something close to that. 
Well, who else are you going to trade? <laughs> if, if you're Brooklyn right now and you're saying, okay, we want to make a run as quickly as possible, who else are you trading? Because to me, it sounds like Joe Harris and some other people. Now, I don't think, and again, that's why I said not specifically in a deal for JaVale McGee, because I don't, I don't really know even if I would, I don't know if that's where I would be looking if I have to give up a Joe Harris. But uh, if there is a deal, if there's a specific deal made where it's not just them filling the roster spots with disabled players, there's a specific deal made, I think he might be included in it. Kind of how, like, look, Dion Waiters had nothing to do with, uh, with the <clears throat> Cavaliers. I'm trying to go back to, like, around 2014, 2015, that season, when, if you remember, Dion Waiters played with the Cavaliers for a little bit, then he got traded. Because they, and they actually brought in a good haul of, of players. I can't remember exactly who else got traded with Dion Waiters. Anyways, you see what I'm trying to say, right? Like, Dion Waiters does not have the same impact on that Cavaliers team that Joe Harris will have on this team in terms of, like, spreading the floor and overall effectiveness. But he might be the guy. He might be the fall guy when it when it's all said and done. On the floor together with... It was the first time we saw the big three on the floor together these last couple of times. We only saw it twice because KD played 50 minutes in the game that they lost against the Cavaliers. That was a hood classic game. And so he couldn't play the next game. It, just, it wasn't a good idea. I'm glad they did that because he even he hobbled a bit in the heat game. I got worried. So when they're on the floor together, again, no question, right? The If this was a video game, like actually Eric from uh, Eric, the co-host on this podcast, when he's available, he was around and we were talking about it a little bit yesterday. And he was asking me, like, what would I do with Kyrie? I was saying, look, in a video game, obviously, if I was running the Nets like a video game, I would very obviously get rid of Kyrie Irving. I would have James Harden play point guard. I would take I would take my chances with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and I would have Kyrie Irving cashed in for the pieces that were missing, some support pieces, some actual big men. I would 100% do that in a video game. That's a video game world, though. You bring it out here and you start talking about, like, again, the end of that heat game was beautiful offensively. You start talking about some of the fireworks that can happen when you have those three guys together and then the fact that kd and Kyrie, i I believe kd is in brooklyn one of the reasons he's there is because of Kyrie irving i also think james harden is excited to play is excited to play with him or he that's what he showed anyways when he got treated when you have to when you have to consider all of that you're not really going that route right you're not going to be that radical with it but even like in terms of just enjoyment i enjoyed watching harden and kd together a bit more than I enjoy watching the big three. I think it flows a bit more seamlessly. One of the specific, I, I don't know if you call it an issue, but one of the specific things that bothers me so far, and it's early, so maybe they have a whole season to work things out, but Kyrie and Harden off-ball activity, from what I've seen at the moment, is underwhelming. Because right now, it seems a lot of the times like it's, okay, Kyrie is going to get the ball, he's going to try to go to work, if he stopped or there's not a good angle or whatever, he passes it to Harden and now it's his time to go to work. And with these guys, there's so much more. There's so much more they can bring to the game than that, right? Then then glorified one-on-one, which again, I believe that will evolve over time. But right now it is kind of like what most people thought it would be is if one of those guys doesn't have the ball, they're kind of standing around, they're in the, standing on the corner, standing on the wing. There's just not a, a whole lot going on. And all these players have a certain gravity. It's not just KD. Harden has a certain gravity if it's used a certain way. Kyrie has a certain gravity if it's used a certain way. They all have it. But this is, I mean, Steph's not a part of this conversation, but this is why I always, for years now, whenever I've talked about Steph, I've always said, 
you guys talk about him and his playmaking or you talk about his assist numbers, I'm like, look at his off the ball. Look at his off the ball play. He had a play against the Knicks this week where he damn near crossed two New York players without the basketball, <laughs> just moving, right? Just moving left to right, stop and go like his off ball presence is incredible. And it's good enough where the Warriors this year still might make the playoffs, even though the roster without Klay Thompson, it's a little bit janky. You don't really know what's going on with Wiggins and Oubre. Are they, you know, are they should be both be full-time starters or Damian Lee be the one starting? There's a lot of questions there, right? But even then, Steph has been able to make this work. He hasn't done as bad as people thought he was going to do without the, quote, super team. So that is one thing with the Nets that I believe is going to have to improve that's going to have to improve but again right now um Harden the other night that 12 point out and I think the I think before that it was maybe like 17 yeah it's harder for him he's gonna have to make the adjustment he is clearly the one adjusting to it a little bit because that's the other issue that we talked about or that's the big thing people had questions about is like which one of these guys is the Chris Bosch well none of these guys are big men that kind of had you know need the ball fed to them <laughs> that's the thing none of these guys are tim duncan and need the ball passed to them or yeah they, all these guys can go off the dribble and all these guys for the majority of their careers have gone off the dribble so yeah it's uh it's one of those things it's going to be a season-long project for them on that offensive end that is going to be a season-long project i expected it to look better by the playoffs but uh if they don't i will say this much i don't believe that they would make it out of the eastern conference without some serious patchwork to this right here i'm looking at my tweet <laughs> with the with the big man versus brooklyn you can try to paint this however you want if you're a nets fan you can say whatever you want about this this 40 you know career highs from a guy like out bio and elite nights from Fooch. you can say whatever you want about that to make it feel better and it does not change the fact that that is going to be a big ass problem in a series where there's a superstar big man i know we talked about big men are dead this that and the other thing they're not that dead <laughs> basketball has changed but they're they're not that dead you know um yeah it if you had to go through two or three teams in the eastern conference where you were at that much of a deficiency your scoring might keep you in it but it, if every if you're one of those players on sorry let me rephrase it if all f- if there's four players on the court that aren't great defenders and then one of them is just a straight cone down low I, I just don't see it man i do not see it but hey, those are questions to be answered, right? Those are questions to be answered about Brooklyn. It is very early on in the NBA's newest super team. Ah, I did not copy that one down, did I? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Kyrie seems to, uh, I, th- I think those losses got him talking a little bit. That one I actually didn't write down, but he, he went to the Instagram story. I was excited to see we've made it to the IG story after games part of the season. Wow, did nobody make a big deal out of that? Yeah, there we go. Because it was a two-game losing streak. They they got wiped by the Cavs twice. By the way, yeah, the Cavaliers, off the top of my head, I believe the Cavaliers put 125 on them one game and one like 40-something on them the other. This is the Cavaliers we're talking about. Good defensive team, but offensive rating is not high. <laughs> and so that was kind of significant. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, oh, yeah. See, this is when you know some shit just happened, right? This is that, this is that drama when there's a black screen. This man put his, his finger on the phone camera. You can see it that because it's not a full black screen. It's just like it's, it's that finger shit. And then he has the text over it and some very imposing font. All caps. We will be on that stage. The stage where the quote best of the best end quote meets. You know, the main stage. 
where those who can do and those who cannot talk about those that are doing. If you're rolling with us, great, let's rock. If you're not, you know you want to talk about our greatness anyway. <laughs> it's like seven or eight exclamation points after that. <laughs> and this comes out, he actually posted this too, I believe. He actually posted this too. So that's interesting because a mysterious guy like Kyrie and you wonder like do players pay attention to things yeah so Kyrie heard Kyrie has heard and has been hearing y'all really I guess is the way you would put it media talk and all that and so we'll see how that happens I think we I think this is the uh Giannis crowning himself moment of this season the one where I said this will end up looking crazy at the end of the year if if those catches aren't checked god damn I mean, if those checks aren't cashed, <laughs> it's late. It's late. That's how your brain works late at night. It came out backwards, and I did that so normally. Yeah, no. Uh, it didn't go... I think Giannis kind of escaped it a little bit last season because he didn't even make the finals. And so he didn't make it to the finals to play LeBron after he had crowned himself during the regular season. It's still kind of a meme, but I don't think it got memed nearly as hard, especially because the season went... It, it had a break and all that. I think, I think he ducked a little bit of that smoke. However, it looks like this season is kind of... Despite the health and safety protocols, looks like it's going along. If the Nets play the Lakers, all that, yeah, this will come back. This will be back. Mark my words. This one will be back. Um, and yeah, this the, the GM has his has his work cut out for him. It's a funny thing, right? This is how narratives always end up tying into things like this. Because uh, I'll end up seeing this in a thread somewhere. Somebody be like, "Oh, how much? Not the how much help thing." Because that's actually a meme, but. They'll say, oh, how could you say this team is missing anything? They've got these three players. Like, fam, nah, fam, no excuses. It's like, just, bro, just put this on a whiteboard. Just put the names on a whiteboard. Just look at X's and O's on, on a basketball court. Whatever you have to do, there's pieces missing. There are pieces missing. In terms of, like, championship fit, there are pieces missing. Just like there was, well, I can't really say that about the Miami Heat. Yeah, no, I guess you can, really, because they needed more pieces to end up going all the way. Their roster wasn't as great when it was just Bosch, Wade, and LeBron in that huge drop-off. Yeah, they could have still won the finals that year, even the way it was, but part of the reason the game plan worked was because of that roster makeup. So there were pieces missing. They had two MVP, well, really three MVP caliber players on that squad. And then Ilgowskis and Mike Bibby <laughs> and Joel Anthony and Udonis. I just said that wasn't good enough. So we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Oh, but yeah, that's that. I'm glad I brought up the heat because that is exactly how I think about the Nets right now. Let's say they weren't able to figure this out this season. Well, that's why I said eventually the team won a championship, because if they aren't able to do anything about it this year, for whatever reason, next year, uh, whether it's signing and trading Spencer Dinwiddie or getting him to come back, even whatever happens, the roster will be better next year. And these guys, assuming none of them have retired or anything, they'll all be here. And then it'll be even more difficult. So if you're going to get the Nets, I say you get them now. Uh, the Nets will probably come back up in the podcast a little bit later. But I did have uh, that's the team I kind of had the most in-depth thoughts about because that's where all the attention is. That's where everybody is paying attention. There's still a lot more to talk about here, though. Um, I guess I'll give the Blazers some love real quick. The Blazers, because, well, right now, actually, as I speak, they're playing the Knicks. And the Knicks, that doesn't mean what it used to. Oh, they came back. No shit, the Knicks came back. It's 102-107. It was like a 20-point deficit when I started recording. 
or earlier when I started cooking and I knew I was going to record. Okay, well, I think the Blazers are still going to win. There's 30 seconds left in this game. So it looks like they're going to get a dub. But anyways, we talk about this squad because in what's probably one of the toughest seasons ever in terms of actually trying to get a rhythm, they are missing Nurkic. I think I talked about that on last podcast, right? And right after I got out of that podcast, it was reported that CJ McCollum has a fractured left foot and will miss an expen- extended period of time, which will be pretty expensive for this team. Because McCollum was having his best year in the NBA. I think he was averaging something like 26 points. His splits were crazy. McCollum was maybe even having his all-star year finally. Because if you didn't know, CJ McCollum has not been an all-star. As you were rudely reminded on that Kings graphic when the Kings and Blazers played. And they listed all these players that Tyrese Halliburton was with in terms of fourth quarter scoring, I think. And it was like MVP, first all-team, all that. And then came to CJ, it's at 26 points a game. Yeah, man, it's, it's like that in the West. Mike Conley had the same issue, right? He probably played at an all-star level with the Grizzlies at some points, and he didn't make it all-star team. Uh, we'll see what happens. Now, look, Dame is actually in an interesting situation. Well, not situation, but interesting place right now because, well, he's never failed to get this team to the playoffs aside from his rookie year where, when they weren't even a good team. And that's why he got there. That's why they had that pick. And so aside from that, he's been in the playoffs every year, even after all those that one year of abandonment when uh Batum and Aldridge and West all dipped on him and I thought that team was garbage after that and he still was in the playoffs and it just gets harder like every year for, for Lillard to do something with this squad who also is having a good season it just gets harder every season uh or, or not really every season but it gets th- throughout his time in Portland things just get more difficult and uh he doesn't really care as much about a championship we already went through all that but we're gonna see this year uh, I'll have some real respect if he's able to hang on, which you kind of look at this year also. And because of the games being postponed, I do feel like some squads are kind of catching breaks. Like the Grizzlies when, uh, with, with Morant and the ankle injury and Jaron Jackson being out. I thought that Morant was going to be out way longer, first of all. But they hung on. They hung on and they're still in the playoff bracket, I believe. And because teams are postponing games, the opportunity to lose games isn't there, and some teams just kind of stay in in stasis. And so we'll see what ends up happening with Portland, and if, if it's that impressive that they get to that they get to hang on without CJ, because hell, a lot of the games might, without him might be postponed. Honestly, so that is kind of a break for them. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> without CJ and Nurk, there some of these games are inevitably going to be postponed. It's kind of a break. This is not like a regular season where it'd be like, damn, you're going to miss these guys for a month. Y'all are y'all are snapped out of existence. Then was pulled up. Not exactly. Um, and hell, even Miles Turner, he also had a fracture in his right hand, but he came back before I could even get back on the podcast. So that's good because right now his, his defense, he, he's going crazy, and uh, the Pacers definitely need that as well because they're starting to. Uh, not slide, but their record is not as impressive as it was when we started. Well, I'm going to look through. Normally, I always read the standings at the end, but lately, like off and on through the podcast, I've kind of been looking at the standings to guide my conversation to uh, see where teams are. And if there's anything that I want to mention, it comes out then. For instance, like, well, we kind of already talked about Embiid, but right now the Sixers still, even though they were really the first team, I think, to really get just nailed by the health and safety protocols, right? The the Philadelphia 7-6ers, that was the, that was when we really started, like, seeing, yo, this shit is going to be an issue, but they're still 12-5. They're 12-5, Embiid just folded Boston twice. 
twice in a row. That's the only disadvantage. That's the only thing I don't like about these little mini series is if you're missing somebody right now and you go into a, a, a matchup where you're clearly not in the driver's seat, you could just go ahead and take your lumps. And uh, the Celtics haven't had Jason Tatum. They didn't have him for those matchups. That's why you didn't really see me tweet about it that much. Look, I'm always, people might wonder, because I tweet about a bunch of other games, but the Celtics, my own team, like, you might not see a whole lot. I'm always watching. I'm always watching, but if it's a game against one of our contenders and we don't have one of our best players, I don't feel like there's a whole lot that I can tell from that. There are some things, obviously, like Jalen Brown's progression, which I am, excuse me, overly pleased with. But other than that, I'm not really tripping about getting getting boxed by them twice without one of our best players i don't think that you know means a whole lot in the long run however we do suffer from not the same problem as the nets but something somewhat similar because we don't have an answer for joel and b clearly with or without tatum we don't have an answer for that in the playoffs we didn't have an answer for bam last year that's how that was our exit from the playoffs and uh let me see exactly where our guy Embiid is because i did want to say i am very happy for Embiid and the way he's playing this year, because if you look back a couple of years, you remember his career did not really start this way. This wasn't a sure thing. So this year he's up to, yeah. So in 2019 he was averaging around 28 points a game. So he's he's back up to that. So he he's averaged just this amount before. It's uh, 27, uh, 11 rebounds a game, three assists. Not really that important. One and a half blocks. He is shooting 55% from the field. That's the big one right now. And 40% from three. So that's what you get, right? Even in his 2019 season, which was his highest scoring season, he was uh, averaging 50% on field goal and 30% from three. So numbers are way up. That's uh, the numbers are way up. The Sixers are winning. And you forget he fit, he missed his first two seasons. He was always on all types of minute restrictions. He takes... I don't know if he takes them as much these days, but he used to take these wild crashes to the floor. It seemed like injuries were always going to be a part of his story. And I don't want to speak too soon, especially with the Dom curse always looming. But it's looking nice right now, man. It's looking nice. And it's looking like he's developing into what we thought back in 2017, 2018, when I was making videos and I was looking at the numbers he was putting up in certain minutes. It's That's coming to fruition. Interesting thing is that People are disappointed in his co-star, Ben Simmons, but the Sixers are winning right now. And they're disappointed, Ben Simmons, the whole thing about him being the same player as always, and now his scoring is down, that's the most notable part. But I saw a take that I pretty much agreed with, and it's, look, you, you know you're not getting, you know you're not getting shooting from Simmons right now. Even if he's trying, it's it's not looking good, the attempts that he has he's given so far don't look that great uh averaging yeah 13 points a game right now shooting 52 percent. so okay anyways yeah i'm just thinking out loud a little bit right here with the way this roster is made up now you've got seth curry here who by the way is having a year for himself i don't see any talk about him he's averaging 17 points a game right now he's averaging more than the co-star right he's averaging more shake milton is averaging more than simmons might it just be better for this Sixers team if you have Embiid, Harris, Curry, Milton, if you have guys like that, more or less, being the bulk of the offense, while Simmons does other things, while Simmons facilitates, while Simmons gives people hell with his defensive versatility, do you necessarily need him to average 20 points or 21 points or whatever it is? Now, I will stop short there. Because clearly in the playoffs, 
that's where people i think that's people's frustration is that once you get into a series with a certain team and they are looking at you and they're looking to exploit certain things well if you're a big guard that can't shoot that's a that's the first thing that's going to be circled on the scouting report right it's the very first thing in a series that's how again back to Giannis. hate to keep bringing it up but that's how they sunk in the second round and so you might look and say the sixers are gonna win a ton of games in the regular season like this and they might be the best team in the east record wise and Embiid might win MVP but if it comes to the playoffs and Ben Simmons is like people say more or less the same player how far are they really going to be able to go so I guess that's most people's gripe with it even me fall I followed Simmons into the league kind of like I did um like I have with Zion I followed Simmons into the league because I was I always had my eyes on players that I thought might be might end up being like generational talent and I'll say yeah I haven't necessarily seen the jump this far in that I would have liked to have seen. Uh, let me just put an exact year to it because I don't. There's no need to guess when I have the shit right in front of me. The years run together a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, obviously drafted in 2016, didn't play that whole year, and so he's at 18, 19, 20, and now we're on 21. And so yeah, more or less every season he comes back. It's like he's a good player and you see the potential and he's an all star, but you haven't had that that sizable jump yet in any of these years. And for the record, I do believe, even though the Sixers have clearly gotten better roster-wise, I do believe, yeah, going into the postseason, that might hurt a little bit. That might be important. But, 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 I am glad to see, even if we're not getting that superstar jump yet that we want from Simmons, I am glad to see that the team is clicking at the moment, because if you think back very short to last season, that was what we were preparing for was the Ben Simmons trade talks, which almost happened, so I guess that's not totally irrelevant. He almost got traded last week. <laughs> Mind you, James Harden and B duo was like probably closer to happening than we thought it was. But it had always been about this thing of, oh, the Sixers are always going to get to a certain point, they're going to fail, and then one day, one of these two are going to be gone. Ben Simmons is going to be gone, or MB is going to be gone. But for right now, they are doing the best they can to make it work. Daryl Morey came in, got some reinforcements. Shake Milton is progressing nicely. If you're a Sixers fan, I mean, you're excited for this season. Tyrese Maxey is looking nice as well. If you're a Sixers fan, you're, you're excited, especially because even until the Nets, such a, until such a time as the Nets figure out this in a position, the East is still, it's still got, uh, it's still a, it's, it's a jungle right now. It's a jungle. Getting out of the East is still a jungle until you say, okay, the Nets figured out interior defense. We're fucked now. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so, um, our parody lives on for a little longer. Oh, the Knicks are down three to the Blazers. Man, the Blazers sell that. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, anyways, to continue recording here, that is not a game that I had slated to watch. I, I of course, saw the Celtics play a little bit earlier, but that's the way I kind of do NBA nights is I kind of look at teams and I'm like, who do I want to see tonight? And I'll see this team another night. Yeah, the Knicks and I've seen a couple of Knicks games this year. So, so I was like, not tonight, not against the injured Blazer squad. Kind of wish I was watching it, though. The Bucks uh, just played the Lakers. Yeah, Milwaukee played the Lakers this week. We actually did a watch party for Milwaukee and the uh, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, that was interesting. I did have some thoughts about that game. I had some thoughts about that one. It really was closer to the end. It was really closer to the end. Giannis was in foul trouble. So I can't be as dramatic as I would be without it. But you do kind of see a pattern, though, where I don't 
I don't go after it the way like Kendrick Perkins goes after it. They always say he's ducking smoke by not guarding the team's best player. But my issue was the... If you go back to some specific plays at the end of that Lakers and Bucks game, the Lakers were able to pull that out because you had an undersized Drew Holiday guarding LeBron. And so they were able to get situations that they liked, whether it was a two-man game with LeBron and AD where they had to force the Bucks' hand, whether it was LeBron being able to set up in mid-post or set up in the posts and, you know, force switches or whatever it was, right? They were able to get situations that they liked because LeBron had a very clear advantage over his defender. And Holiday's a great defender, but size-wise, that's still food. <laughs> to LeBron James, that is still food. Then this was taking place while Giannis was kind of in the corner, guarding Alex Caruso now again and that's very and that's very specifically that I'm talking about yeah he was he had five fouls he even fouled out of that game I can't remember if it was because he had to foul intentionally or whatever happened but he ended up fouling out of that game uh, but it's not a rare thing though man it's not a rare thing that Giannis the defensive player of the year and important parts of the games is not on the people that he probably should be on now you in the NBA Finals, should they make it that far or whatever? Because you do kind of look at it and say, also, it's regular season. Do you want Giannis doing everything he does for the team while also taking on the responsibility of guarding, like, LeBron? or Because he did guard AD quite a bit that game as well. So how much responsibility do you give your guy who you're going to have to ride pretty far into the playoffs? That's another conversation, too. But I did... I was kind of disappointed to see that, though. I was disappointed to see that because the Lakers were just kind of chilling and they were in a groove making things happen. They pulled that game out near the end. LeBron, I uh, can't remember his exact stat line, but he balled out. <laughs> he was big chilling while doing it, too. Uh, it's only been two games since LeBron, I mean, since Giannis kinged himself while LeBron was on the court, but he hasn't won either since then. So that's interesting. That is interesting. And the Bucks are in an interesting place, too, this year, right? I feel like because... I feel like they are in a lesser, to a lesser degree, they're kind of like in a boat with the Clippers this season, right? Because no matter what they do during the regular season, it's not going to be enough. We've seen the Bucks win or be on a on a pace for historic wins and all this. We've seen Giannis dominate and win MVPs. Like we've we've done the whole thing with this squad. And only to get to the playoffs and be disappointed. And since we've done that two years in a row now, it's to a point where, okay, right now they're second in the Eastern Conference. They still might end up first. That might happen. But, and even Giannis is playing, he's having a good season as well. He's still got the same struggles. He still has the same shooting struggles. He's going to give you a couple of air balls a game. He's going to shoot terrible from the free throw line. Still, <laughs> those same issues that are going to show up in the playoffs and hold them back. They're still there. And so that's, uh, that's that's what's happening with them right now and i feel like even if they do a little bit better than they are or they're all there and people aren't health and safety protocol i don't think people are gonna care much kind of like with the yeah exactly like with the clippers right now who are actually the best team in the western conference actually hold the best record in the nba the highest win percentage in the nba you wouldn't know that though and pg and Kawhi, i'm gonna get to them pg and Kawhi are balling out but nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Regular season is so interesting. We spent so much we spent so much time here, but uh, people's latest memory of Paul George is, is the backboard. People's latest memory of Giannis is getting shut out again. So there are some similarities there for those squads. I feel like I had something else to say about the Bucks, but I'm just gonna move on. Honestly, I'm going to move on because I can't I can't get to that that final thought I had there. It'll probably come back to me. 
Um, I don't have much to say about Boston with third right now. I don't have much to say. Peyton Pritchard just got hurt. Luckily, it looked worse than it was. Bumped knees, but he'll be back. He's important to our squad right now. I, I, I'm happy with that draft pick. But, yeah, other than Jalen Brown showing his progression, and that's, once again, I didn't call everything right at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, we got Kimba back, too. We got Kimba Walker back, but clearly a lot of guys are in and out. Kimba just came back. Tatum has been out, so... Jalen Brown has got a lot of, we're able to do a lot of hammer and chisel right now with Jalen Brown in terms of his progression, and I'm liking it. I'm liking it because we did not trade him for James Harden. We didn't trade him and Marcus Smart for James Harden to be exact, which I can say I am, um, I don't, I mean, I, I still would have, I'd like Harden, but yeah, from a defensive standpoint, I, I, I like to have these guys. I like to have these guys, and uh, I'm happy with it. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's old news. But again, yeah, we've missed Tatum for like forever, and he's probable for the next game. So our record, like some of these records, just means absolutely nothing right now. The yeah, Pacers and Nets are more or less tied, right? Yeah, the Pacers and Nets are almost tied for that fourth and fifth spot. So the Nets are moving up. If you see, like, even though it's, these teams are really struggling in the standings to get where they need to be because guys keep missing games, it is starting to work itself out a little bit because I think we just reached the... What did they say last night? Like a third of the season or a quarter mark of the season? I think they said we may have reached like the quarter mark of the season. Whatever it is, uh, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, and the Nets are all starting to settle into place. It's looking like it, more or less they're reaching where they should be, but the Heat are still dealing with COVID, so they're not. They are all the way down there at 13th, below 500. And as the season wears on, that, that shit might start to matter because they haven't been able to get a rhythm. Oh, God, man, it's COVID season. Low-key, it's garbage, but we're thankful we have basketball during a global pandemic. Because the end of the East gets very strange. So strange, in fact, that that Toronto team that everybody completely forgot about has been winning games without Pascal Siakam. And they are 7-9 and nine now, which is good enough to put them a half a game out of a seed, which they probably will end up getting. So, in my playoff bracket, I did not have Toronto out of the playoffs. I did not have Toronto falling out. I thought they got a lot worse. I thought they, I thought they got significantly worse than they were. I did not, however, I did not, however, have the ultimate disrespect of them not even being there. Going from almost beating Boston and being in the Conference Finals again to not even being there, didn't have that. So that's good because some of the teams that they were near down there <laughs> probably aren't going to rebound. Uh, the Wizards at this point, like I said last season, could just go uh, last podcast. Might as well just go ahead and like pack it up. They're three and nine. They they get to play like one game every <laughs> two weeks right now. Uh, sad story going on there. But yeah, Toronto is making their way back up. Of course, Trey Young did have the forty ball on the Timberwolves, but it is kind of the Timberwolves. That's they're also dealing with their own issues. So that was one of the bright spots. It's one of the few bright spots recently for Trey Young, but. They're struggling to hang on there at the bottom of the East. That is going to be interesting because, once again, these squads are all still in it. Like Chicago, uh, Zach Levine is having a great season. And what's going on in Charlotte is interesting because LaMelo Ball is still not starting. So there's a row of teams here that are actually 7-9. and nine. Charlotte, Chicago, and Toronto are all 7-9. and nine. And, of course, you probably heard about now because LaMelo Ball, anything with his name attached to it, makes it on the interwebs very quickly. And uh, his coach basically was asked about him starting or whatever something triggered him saying out loud that no player that plays what like 16 minutes and 
has X amount of turnovers is going to be starting on his team. Unless they're giving something defensively. That's some that's that's some that's some smoke. <laughs> that's a little bit of smoke. A little bit of smoke. Uh so yeah, through this I think by this point I think we thought by this point in the season he was gonna be starting. By the way, Hornets coach James Borrega is actually a uh former member of the Spurs coaching staff, right? I think he worked with Popovich, so I believe you might understand where some of that mentality comes from. It's they weren't just gonna hand the ball. A guy like that was not just gonna hand <laughs> I said hand the ball. Yeah, I guess he just wasn't gonna hand the ball to Lamelo as quick as we thought they might. But Hayward is having a season for himself. Uh, and Lamelo is gonna have to earn the starting spot. And it's interesting. People had mixed thoughts about it because I saw some trains of thought that were like, "Well, what do you expect from a rookie player? Rookie player is gonna make some rookie mistakes." But the point is kind of that you let them, especially if you're a team like the Hornets. The point is that you kind of let them play through that. You kind of let them work through that, so you can ultimately get where you want to go. But you kind of saw the same thing with the Knicks, right? Where I thought <laughs> I could not have had a, a a worse take on Julius Randle coming into the 2021 season, right? Because my whole thing was that they just got this lotto pick and Obi Toppin. Julius Randle's been around for a certain amount of years now. He might be able to put up numbers, but at the end of the day, my train of thought was this is not the guy that's like a cornerstone for you. He's not taking you into the future. You just drafted who you probably want to take you into the future. Then, then Randle comes out and naturally turns into LeBron James, of course, Dom Curse, all the way. But anyways, that's kind of where I was going with that is Tom Thibodeau that's your coach and coaches take the fall no matter what if a team doesn't do well you take the fall and so there's kind of two things that go on with the squad yeah you want to develop somebody for the future but also you want to keep your job too and you want to put your best foot forward and so putting your best foot forward might mean hey yeah like Berga said a guy's gonna come out turn the ball over like shit and not play defense sure those are rookie mistakes but we also have a chance to make the playoffs too some of those mistakes might cost us that so that is an interesting thing going on there. We'll see how much longer it takes LaMelo to get to the uh, starting lineup. I would like to see it sooner than later, just as a fan. But I do kind of understand where it's coming from. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space. With Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The, uh, and yeah, he's, Rookie of the Year race is not over yet, obviously. Nothing is over yet this early in the season. But yeah, with uh, losing minutes and whatnot, it's, it's interesting because that does leave the door cracked for guys like Wiseman, guys like Halliburton. Although I do think the problem that you might have, again, along with nobody paying attention to the Kings, is that their defense is historically bad right now. It's it's god-awful. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the only time you hear about the Kings is <laughs> right now is either a Halliburton highlight or their, or their, or their defense. And so with that they might not even get close to the playoffs in the west that's just something that could happen right now they like i said had a decent start but the way that's going i don't know in that conference i don't know um so that'd be if it, it at least the door might be open for a guy like wiseman if it turns out that way orlando yeah they're falling 
back to life, back to real life, 7 and 10. Of course, the injuries were a lot to work through, but <laughs> all these teams I just named are in front of the Miami Heat. And in front of the Miami Heat, that is 6 and 9. That's one of those things that's interesting, right? Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not bringing up politics here in, a, in an NBA podcast, but watching the election on the, the election back in November, there were certain states that I was looking at and I was like, okay, it's like, it's one o'clock in the morning, certain shit hasn't happened yet, what's good? Um, with Miami Heat, it's kind of like that, right? We're still early in the season, but I'm also kind of looking at this like, uh, it's going to turn, right? It's eventually going to turn. <laughs> it's going to go the other way. First step is having guys guys back, and Hero was out with a neck injury, and Butler is still in the health and safety. I forgot, and I think Bradley was just out with COVID. They had more players than that out, too. So that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm like, yeah, I expect this to straighten itself out, but as... And, and right now, they're only a game out of eighth. They're only one game out of eighth, so they're fine for the moment. But again, you can only make it so far, especially in a season like this where everything is so predictable. You can only make it so far before you kind of, before you're fucked. Let me just go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> before you're fucked. Like right now, I believe the Wizards, even though they're only two games out of the East, I think they have some problems that probably aren't fixable. They're fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're fucked. <laughs> um, and then watch after I say that, they Beal ups his scoring average and... That wouldn't help because they, they don't have any defense. King's problem. Uh, the Pistons, not really. If you care about the Detroit Pistons, uh, I did have it announced that Killian Hayes, does. he's not going to need hip surgery. So if you're a Killian Hayes believer, if you are rooting for him in his rookie year, it's cool that he will not actually have to have hip surgery because that's we, we have experience with guys having hip surgery. It doesn't turn out well. And so... Yeah, he'll be able to come back. Oh, Detroit. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, can't have shit in Detroit. So, the rookie will be back one day. I think they said they were going to evaluate him in like a month or two or something. Ooh, but Blake Griffin, man. Blake Griffin is looking washed-washed. Your boy is on what I assume would be now the worst contract in the NBA. Because we were looking at guys like John Wall and we were looking at Westbrook first, but John Wall is, is still serviceable. And, uh... And Westbrook, I don't know, that's different. That's a different situation. Anyways, Blake Griffin, at the ripe age of 31 years old, has fallen to 13 points a game, 6 rebounds, which is not it's not crazy terrible for him, but it also kind of is. 4 assists, and he is shooting 38% from the field. He is shooting 32% from 3 on 6 threes a game. BG also, if you see him in some of the highlights, it just, it doesn't look good. And I legitimately feel bad because he's not old enough to be this bad yet. He's, he's really having one of those careers that has been ruined by injuries. It just has been. Uh, Blake started his career with an injury. A lot of people don't remember 11 years ago, his first preseason game with the Clippers. He went sky high for an alley-oop, I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly, landed and, uh, don't quote me. Did he fracture his kneecap? He did something to his kneecap. It was it was it was hard to watch. I was so excited to see Blake Griffin come into the NBA back then. Either way, he started with that uh, during his Clipper years. During through important times, it was always something getting hurt, and uh, his games played started looking crazy. He has only made one All Star team since 2015. You might not even remember that. His he had made an All Star team in 2015. He didn't make another one until 2019 with Detroit where it was looking good. It looked like he had reinvented himself. He was shooting the three ball, which is something he didn't do earlier in his career. He was shooting it at a great rate. That looks like a 36%, but more injuries. He only played 18 games last year. 
and then you know, COVID hits and all that. So you come back this year, and now it's just starting to look like it's washed. It's looking bad, and particularly if you're Detroit, not only do you have, and that, that makes me sad because I like I I that, I've never really thought about the fact that him and Derrick Rose are on the same team. I swear I never thought about that until last uh, really like this last this last week where I'm starting to see like, hey man, this guy is. This, this guy, I'm gonna put him down, but shit's, this shit is not good. And uh, they were on the cover of 2K13, and I'm like, man, I'm getting old. I'm old enough now to see two players that were MVP level once and on cover athletes kind of either only show flashes of, the, of themselves or just be totally, totally washed. But, anywho, if I scroll down here to his contract, I'm gonna get this contract one day yeah oh yeah that's the big one yeah that's gonna be an eric we're talking about so he makes 36 million dollars this year he has a player option in 2022 for 38 million dollars i repeat he has a player option which means he can opt in and say hey i want this i want 38 million dollars no I don't know everything that can happen in terms of, like, the Detroit Pistons relieving themselves of this or whatever, but whatever, I'm just going to go where I was going. If you're a player who knows you've seen your last big payday, more than likely, at this rate, you're probably taking $38 million, right? <laughs> I don't think Blake is one of those guys that's like, ah, you know, I don't need the money, I want to go... I want to go win somewhere. I want to go play six-man for somebody and where I have a chance to win. That versus 38 million, I, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is that type of guy. But again, with the showing he's having this season, I don't even know if that would be possible, right? So Detroit is uh, safe to say they're in a bad situation, man. Shout out to Pistons fans. Shout out to SDC. I haven't heard from him in a grip. Did the Blazers end up winning, by the way? Yeah, Blazers ended up winning this game. Okay, cool. So all it says it should be there. Um, in the West, so like I said, the Clippers are the West best right now. But if you on NBA Twitter, you will, you will only hear that it's the Lakers. They're tied, but the Clippers won the opening night game against them on their home floor, so they own the tiebreaker, which means they're first in the West. And PG is still, I think, since the last time we talked, he's upped it to fifty one, fifty one, ninety in terms of his shooting splits. He looks great physically. He looks happy within the offense. I just saw Kawhi Leonard's splits from his last, uh, this like last week and a half of games or something, and they all look beautiful. The Clippers are still a contender, <laughs> but like I said, they're in that boat with the Bucks because the Clippers went out in the second round last year. They disappointed everybody. It wasn't just going out in the second round; it was the fact that they missed out on the Battle of LA because of it. Like it was already one thing that we were in the bubble and we weren't going to get the Los Angeles environment, but the fact that it they didn't even get there that's Nobody cares. But that's exactly what I think the Clippers need. I think that's exactly what they need, to be honest with you. Because PG does have a tendency to talk himself into corners a little bit. That's how Playoff P came about. The That's a bad shot. Oh, speaking of all of this, that's... Yeah, I got sidetracked talking about the Blazers earlier. That, yeah. The situation I was talking about with Damian Lillard, I said something about a situation. Uh, people are mad because, <laughs> hey, yo, this shit was kind of funny. I thought it was funny. I didn't know if I was just stupid or was this actually funny that he released uh, his new shoe in the colorway of OKC to dedicate to his game that ended that, uh, that ended the Westbrook and Paul George duo. I thought it was hilarious. And then, yes, like I assumed, people were hurt by it. People did take it the way that I thought uh, it might have been intended. And, you know, then people are going on, oh, Damian Lillard's only 
his only accomplishment is in is this shot against OKC in the first round. That, that's where I was going with that earlier. Um, but I can't connect it as well as I wanted to now because I've been moved on. Maybe it'll come back to me. But uh, yeah, so DG again. Yeah, he the interview this summer, he just has the in the media has ways of just going at this guy when uh, he talks himself into a corner and then something happens and all of a sudden it's a meme, right? It's like a production line for Clippers memes <laughs> with Paul George being there but I'm happy to see that it's turning out this way I wish them good health and I they they still owe us a playoff series with the Lakers which would be magnificent this year it would be great because as good as the Lakers are they this is still a good matchup you still have and you have a, he- a really healthy PG right now you still have two great perimeter defenders you've got Ibaka stretching the floor it's not just a gimme for LA, even though they're just they're just cooling right now and they're on cruise control. It looks like because I think uh, AD and LeBron scoring are down this year from last season. Um, as a matter of fact, yeah, because that moves us right to the Lakers. They're, like I said, they're tied there. I think I saw a stat that said for the first time in LeBron's career, a team has like a positive net rating or something without him on the floor. So that's happening right now. <laughs> the the Trez signing paid off. They got Dennis Schroeder, which is I, I see LA fans just laughing themselves to sleep on the fact that they got him for what was that like Danny Green and so yeah the Lakers are every bit as good as we thought they would be coming to the season they've got plenty of that's what's happening right now is actually pretty important not even in just in context of this season but it's happening kind of the way that I uh, that I talked about when mapping out the rest of LeBron's career because we're all interested like how long is he actually going to play and out of how long he's going to play how long is he going to be contending for well, if you have seasons like this where for the first time in his career, as his season, as his career allegedly comes to a close, it's the first time that his team is basically able to hold their own without him. That's significant. That is significant. That kind of indicates that if all goes well, they'll be con- they are contending right now. They'll probably still be contending next year. And then who knows? We go from there. Right. And so the at, from just from where we sit today, the window for a three peat is very much open because LeBron doesn't still as he's playing and he's just kind of chilling. He's right in the MVP race. He is not slowed down. Everything looks cool. There might be a night or two when the Lakers come out and they don't look like they're, uh, they don't really look like they, like, I don't care that much or whatever, but they're also undefeated on the road right now too, right? Are they seven or seven and oh or eight and oh? The Lakers are chilling, bro. Lakers and Clippers, Lakers and Clippers are kind of chilling. Well, I don't know how much the Clippers are chilling. They've really got something to prove, but they're doing it quietly. The Lakers, however, with the trophy, they're, they're, they're cooling. Right behind them, of all the teams that could be behind them in the Western Conference, it's the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley. Yeah, they're 12-4. So, with one more win, they would be tied. It would be a three-way tie for first with the Lakers and Clippers. That one is really interesting. <laughs> for me specifically. For me specifically, because I thought the Jazz were going to have a lot more problems this year. I didn't think that they got significantly better over the offseason. And I saw the whole Rudy Gobert dynamic being a much bigger problem than it was. So if you're wondering, if you ever go back and watch my Western Conference prediction video, I believe that uh, before he signed and with him blowing the 3-1 lead last year, from that moment, that's where I started to kind of look at and say, okay, what's Utah's plan here? Because I don't think Mitchell, and I still don't think Mitchell and Gobert, your championship pairing, I still don't think that's that in the Western Conference and what they would have to deal with to get there. I still don't think it's there, but before they had Gobert inked, I was like, okay, what are they going to do with that situation? How is that going to affect Donovan Mitchell? What actually happens coming into the season? Well, they went ahead and inked Gobert for an amount that Shaq was not happy with, and they're just playing ball, and they're doing well. So, shout out to Utah. 
um, still praying on your downfall, but <laughs> it's, I'm actually not praying on your downfall, not as much as Shaq, right, not as much as Shaq, because not only is he, not only can he not really stand the sight of Rudy Gobert, he told Donovan Mitchell to his face that he didn't believe he could reach the next level, basically, he didn't think he could, he, he could be the, uh, I'm trying to think of specific words, it, long story short, he said some shit like, yeah, I don't think you have what it takes to, to get to the next level, and of course, people had big dialogues about it, I was asked what I thought about it in the questions for the podcast, look, first of all, oh, we haven't said this in a couple of weeks, right, everything in life is optics, everything is life, everything in life is optics, right, and so, when it comes to Shaq, when it comes to Charles, when it comes to inside the NBA, we're used to hearing things that don't seem conducive to promoting this sport from those guys. And so we hear Shaq always say every big man needs to be doing this. And then we hear him ragging on Gobert. We see him ragging on Gobert on Instagram or him and Dwight Howard getting into it. We constantly see these things that LeBron has chimed in and basically has said is like soft hating. And so regardless of how Shaq meant this or regardless of if he's qualified to say it, that's the way it comes off because of who it's coming from, as LeBron puts it, the delivery. And so what I thought about it was, sure, I, especially with Shaq having played with Kobe, and Kobe could be known as kind of like a, a brutal teammate, and Shaq even was a brutal teammate. Hell, I, I remember Kobe saying something about how he, he felt bad the way Shaq went after some of the players. Um, yeah, that it's coming from a place of kind of like testing, right? Like kind of Kyle Shaq tested Kobe when they were in that practice, or whatever they pretty much got to fighting. And that's kind of how they earned respect for each other. And Kobe saying Shaq didn't respect anybody that he could just bully that kind of thing. But I also think that this seemed kind of performative because Donovan Mitchell is just coming off a good game. They are having a good season right now. You get the kid on for an interview on live television. You know there's an audience. And then you pull that out. What do you, what do you have to say about that? That's what he said after that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you could reach the next level. What do you have to say about that? Look, again, I get the tough love method. But I feel like if you really care about a player's success like that or you really want to see him succeed, that's something that you could reach out to him and say. You know what I mean? That's something that you can say to him in passing. That's something we can hear about as a story years later that, oh, Shaq told me this in the tunnel or some shit, right? That's something you can, that's something that you can, if you want to deliver a message a certain way and you want it to be seen a certain way, you, there's methods to do that. Doing it on live TV just kind of seems like an inside the NBA type thing. And it was very awkward. It's very awkward because Mitchell, I do think looking at his face, the comment, I don't know, I wouldn't say it got to him, but he looked annoyed by it, but he handled it. He was just like, yeah, all right. He's like, I've been hearing this shit my whole life. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I feel like there's methods for that, man. And this just kind of goes along, kind of goes along the lines of things Shaq have, has done recently that just seem corny, man. And it's a shame because I like Shaq, bro. I don't always want to have a section of my podcast where it's like Shaq said some wild shit. And I'm like, why is Shaq the way he is? Like, I like Shaq, but he, his ego shows when him and Charles Barkley get into it, they get into a disagreement and they, and Shaq starts going after him like he's on a Twitter thread, basically. Like, man, you, you don't have to be all extra. Like, we know you're great. We, we know your resume. You don't have to always be extra. And Shaq is just very often extra. That's how I feel about that. Um, but, and Mitchell's got plenty of time left as, as well. Like, this is only, I know you might say, like, he, he also hasn't maybe hit that, like, 
for a whole season that superstar jump yet but I, I think Mitchell has actually been improving he's, he's been improving quite steadily since his rookie year and here the Jazz are I had him as a dark horse last year um, this year I expected a regression it seems like they're kind of following that same path but if you're talking about like what I believe with this team throughout the uh, season no I still don't see them as like uh, any more than a, a fringe dark horse because you're gonna have to go through a Clippers, you're gonna have to go through a Lakers. So there in this conference you're a French Dark Horse if you're a team like the Jazz to me. As a matter of fact, in the Western Conference, that's really the way it is right now. That's how it was last season. Denver has moved up to uh fifth. They're like right there with the Blazers. I expect the Blazers to come up off that because of the injuries. I think they're gonna come up off that four seed pretty handedly. And also everything is close right now, so it doesn't it's not really saying a whole lot, but it, but the reason I bring that up is because Denver, I came into the season a bit higher on Denver than they performed. And then the question is like, oh, like, what do you think about that now? Well, I think that, first of all, I did say Jeremy Grant was going to be a important loss. I think that was going to be an important loss. By the way, I had Denver third, so they're still right there. That, that could still very easily end up happening by the time this season is over. But... Yeah, I think they lost an important piece, and I also think MPJ hasn't played a game since December 29th, and he just came back, and now he's working his way into the lineup. I don't even think he's getting his full minutes yet. That shit matters, man. Denver has been missing players uh, aside from MPJ, and that's one of the most important pieces in the bubble. That was one of the most important pieces, helping them get where they got. The man said he needed more shots. Like, he's coming in as a rookie with that type of attitude, but that's so the energy that i have for denver like it remains kind of unchanged yeah i don't think their defense is great i think they've disappointed me a little bit at the beginning of the season but also i'm not ready to just throw them out yet you know i'm not ready to throw them out because by the time the season ends if everything's healthy mpj will be playing pretty much starting minutes it'll be a very important part there Jokic is having an mvp season right now when you ask about surprisingly when you ask about like mvps at the moment you don't hear a whole lot about Jokic. And, uh, by the way, if you didn't see the Nuggets and Suns, if you didn't see the Nuggets and Suns on a miniseries, the back-to-back, that was amazing. Uh, both of them were hood classics, even though Devin Booker didn't even play in the second one. But Jokic right now is actually, he's actually jumped. And it's funny because he's such a beast in the playoffs, you wouldn't even assume that in the 2020 season, he only averaged 19.9 points. You wouldn't, you would actually think his stat line right now is what he averaged always. Jokic right now is up to 26 points a game, 12 rebounds, 9.6 assists, so basically 10. He's kind of, sort of, basically averaging a triple-double. He's shooting 56% from the field and 35% from three. So he is efficiently putting up a triple-double and keeping his team afloat that's been missing important pieces throughout the season. He may not be the MVP because when I talk about the MVP, I always talk about it with how I think it's going to be voted on mostly because I don't I don't see the use in having all these arguments when I know it's going to be voted on a certain way. And so that's why when you look at it right now, I would agree Embiid is leading it. It's kind of how I've always been right with the MVP picks back to Westbrook, back to Giannis. People have all these counter arguments. I'm like, look, this is who's going to win it. Like, we know this is how it's going to go right now at this moment. He wouldn't win it. But to not have him in there is asinine to not have him in that in that category is asinine because the Nuggets, despite this hard start, this this tough start, could still end up being like as high as third. Because I don't think anybody is going to, 
don't think anybody without injury is going to supplant the Clippers or Lakers. So they can still end up being as high as third, basically off of the back of Jokic. And if you have criticisms for him, it's basically like his pick and roll defense and his, I guess his defense overall, but definitely pick and roll defense. Um, everything else he gives you. <laughs> it's, uh, he's one of my favorite players to, players to watch, absolutely. The passing is a thing of beauty. He had the nastiest touch pass during that first Suns game. I think it was a, uh, I think he was the roller, I believe. It might, don't quote me on the exact setup of the play, but I believe he was rolling off of a pick and roll. He got the pass and literally just tapped it all in one motion to a backdoor cutting Millsap before he could even see him. As I said in my dramatic title, like a month ago, the NBA may be hiding its best passer from you because <laughs> the Nuggets don't have a whole lot of national TV games. But if you have means to watch the Nuggets, watch the Nuggets. At least watch Jokic, man. You're missing out. The guy is eating. No pun intended. <laughs> the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are 7-6. and six. They're behind uh, the Nuggets. And, yeah, they've, again, health and safety protocols. I believe they just had, like, one or two games in the future here canceled. And so the Suns have fallen to 8-7. and seven. And, uh, yeah, again, Booker has a hamstring injury. So he left the first Nuggets game, didn't play in the second. But, yeah, they are, they are uh, after starting the season beautifully, are out here, you know, towards the back of the Wild West. Again, players going to be in and out, so that's just kind of what it is. Um, but, surprisingly, the San Antonio Spurs, who are also an interesting watch this year, they're eighth. They are eighth. They are in front of the Mavericks. They're in front of the Warriors. They are in front of the Rockets. It's is it is interesting. It does seem like it's starting to separate itself a little bit, a little bit. Not even quite. It's still like a game and a half. But once you pass tenth in the West, I think you start to see teams you could realistically say like, yeah, this team is just gonna miss the playoffs. The Rockets just got done with a nasty breakup with Harden. You've got Oladipo, who you don't even know if he's gonna be there, and Christian Wood and John Wall off of his injury. You're just kind of putting things together. They, I said they were still going to compete for 8th, and they could, but it is starting to get to that point where it looks like when you group the Rockets, Thunder, Kings, Pels, and Timberwolves together, you can kind of see where it's like, yeah, maybe some of these teams, like a, you know two or three weeks from now, maybe it might be kind of clear they're not contending for it. Because you look at the Pelicans right now, and their roster is just, com- it's just constructed all wrong. Um, you've got Ingram and Zion, who are two special talents, and everything else is just kind of weird at the moment because the spacing is not ideal. They don't know what they want to do with Lonzo Ball. As a matter of fact, I heard there's there's trade rumors coming up about Lonzo Ball now. Just like that, right? Just like that. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> hey, man, life comes at you quick. Um, but yeah, having Zion down there with Steven Adams and then having Eric Bledsoe out there who might be the better player, but is he the best thing for your spacing, right? The the Pels are 5-10. and ten. Uh, I did not have them in my playoff race this year. I didn't have them... Uh, I had them as one of the teams I would be fighting for, but I did not have them making it. And at the start that they're at, it's looking like it might end up that way. Unless they hit a hot streak. Any team, I do keep stressing that any team can hit a hot streak and technically be contending, right? For a playoff spot right now. But it doesn't seem like it's likely to happen for most of these squads. Um, the Thunder have fallen out back there a bit. They're tied with the Rockets. The Golden State Warriors, people are getting frustrated with Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, the coach. People are getting frustrated because of how he uses Steph Curry. There's like this there's a running joke now basically that Steph is used to screen for guys that that nobody knows basically. Um but also his philosophy. His philosophy and his lineups, because his lineups are a bit hectic. 
uh, from game to game and his philosophy I think he was asked about it and he says that he learned from the type of player that he was you don't just let a guy sit on the end of the bench you don't let them just sit on the end of the bench because that way it's harder to get them to buy in I get the philosophy I do get that but people's gripe is like there might be a hot hand and you're catering to guys that you know for lack of a better way to put it just nobody cares about <laughs> that's kind of what people are, are angry about at the moment um Wiggins though is I laugh as I say it because everyone says Wiggins always has a start of the season boom that uh, eventually turns to a bust but Wiggins at least on the defensive end is doing some good things right now and he's showing flashes and it uh, when I watch the Warriors I see a team where I say like man if Klay Thompson was on the squad again I don't think I still don't think Klay Thompson on top of this team I don't think it would be enough to beat uh, like the Lakers and get out of the West, but they would easily be like one of the top teams in the West. They would very easily be one of the top teams there. Um, but you do kind of look at it and say Steph, Draymond Green, and Wiseman are the only three players that should be assured a starting spot from night to night. Because those are the three guys that you know they're a part of whatever's going to happen in the future. Draymond is... Whether you agree with it or not, Draymond is clearly taking on the vet role for Wiseman. He is seen yelling at the man, so much so that he got thrown out of a game the other night. (laughs) He got thrown out of a game because the ref thought he was talking to him. And that was funny because you could see on the ref's face, you could see that he knew he messed up. He knew he messed up, didn't want to admit it, didn't want to rescind this call, and so he didn't. And I, I laughed about it because I, I can't I can't tell you what year it was or when it happened, but I distinctly remember LeBron James yelling and then getting a tech and then going to explain to the ref that he was talking to his teammate and the ref rescinded it. I saw on God put my hand on the Bible that happened and I will never be able to tell you which game it's lost in one of the millions of games that's been played over the last decade that I've watched with him, but it happened. And I was thinking about that when that moment was going down. Um, But yeah, it just kind of seems like, yeah, those should be your starters and... Uh, the lineup after that can be in flux, depending on who they're playing, because certain matchups might necessitate like, hey, maybe, maybe Ubre is not a starter tonight, or I don't know. I think you continue to start Wiggins. So yeah, I guess this relates more to like an Ubre than anything else. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I still, I'm still holding out hope for the Warriors making a playoff spot. Right now, if you look in the West, I think the Spurs and the Grizzlies are taking up space. Uh, yeah, because I had Dallas and the and the Warriors, but right now the Warriors are kind of on that that fringe end. And thinking back to what I said about the Warriors before the season, eh, it's it's not important, bro. It's not important. Cold takes are gonna happen. Well, that kind of brings me to the end of like talking about every team. I like to go through. I always wonder, like, should I just focus on like one thing when I'm talking about the NBA or one team or whatever? But I kind of like to go through. I have so many thoughts that float around my head about every team throughout the week. It's like if I don't get into so much detail about everyone, I don't think that's really as important. There's a situation I really need to go deep on and on that I just kind of do. I did have one more thing, though. I did have one more thing. I told you about LaMelo, JaVale, McGee, Disable, Shaq. Uh, I guess I I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't. I guess I did not. Alright, well, that's that. I did have questions this week. And they I kept them on the NBA topic. Because, once again, like I said, I think the... I think I said last week in the podcast that the, the media part just kind of feels like it's tagged on there. I might end up doing something else that's totally related to media and not mix it in with the NBA podcast. We'll see, though. 
anyways i liked some of the questions that i got like the one from dave that asked with so many health and safety protocols and postponed games should the league take another pause no dave they should not the league should not take a pause because nothing is going to change in two weeks nothing's going to change in two weeks from now so if the nba took a two-week pause right now that, that's the one thing i hated like I, I i'm like very how do i say it i don't know it bothers me when things are not perfect i guess you could say and so like having to take that break last year and then everybody having to get back into shape and all, i hated that and so you take a two-week break these teams are already kind of mess their, their rhythm is already kind of fucked i say look we're probably the way the world looks right now i personally believe that by the end of this year it's gonna look better than what we've been experiencing and i even think by the time we get to the playoffs of this year you even see right now the nfl has got crowds at their game already they just i guess they just said fuck it these playoff games they've got a certain amount of people i think nba games will be the same way towards the playoffs and i think that the vaccine will have spread to a point where players and the people who want to be vaccinated will be vaccinated when it's important right now you're going through a very rare time that we're probably <laughs> let me not curse it but let me just uh kind of like cross my heart right here a little bit we're not gonna have to deal with this again at least anytime soon so we just gotta get through it man nobody's really gotten but we haven't had any like super terrible situations break out as a as a uh, result of the nba season yet so some of the teams uh, most of it has been contact tracing every now and then you get a player that's tested positive these returns come back i think they said the the latest return was 11 players had tested positive for corona but it hasn't been anything like out of control yet right because it's not been anything out of control i think i heard the term describing the season as a uh, war of attrition i think that's the term they use the other night just get through this just get through this part that's going to be ugly the second half will probably be better uh they apparently planned the reason they hadn't paused the season is because they said they planned in the schedule for there to be a lot of postponements they knew this was going to happen as i said in my first podcast or the podcast before the first of the season i said this season is not going to be all like roses and flowers like people seem to be talking about it like it was people weren't mentioning the covid factor at all and here we are but i don't think enough will change to warrant bothering like having to do all these canceling cancellations of games and having to just go through that whole process of teams having to stay in shape and oh this mess with our rhythm now guys are hurt because of these random breaks just get through it as you can i think we've kind of already experienced the worst thing which is like a team like the wizards barely playing at all because of it right yeah it hasn't gotten much worse than that yet and so until such as like okay shit a whole team just I mean, I don't want to say I want to wait until the whole team gets Corona or something like that, but the way it's going right now, we haven't ran into a situation like that yet. So if we ran into a situation where that was the case, then I'd be like, all right, yeah, just just pause this, fam. But right now, uh, player catches it, contact trace. It is annoying. Like for I'm dealing with it as a Celtic fan, having Jason Tatum just go like a wall forever, basically, and wondering when he's gonna come back. I hate it, but that's just where we are right now. That's where we are right now. I've accepted it's not gonna be perfect, and uh, you know, bring it back when you can. Bring or bring it back to full speed when you can. Get through this, and uh, uh, you know, go into next season and just kind of be done with it, man. But the pause right now, the, I guess pausing right now and coming back in two weeks and having the same exact problem, I don't see why. That just causes more problems. It's gonna push the end of this season back is going to push the playoffs back or you know i guess if you were just going to cancel a grip of games and at least the other problems just leave this how it is bro i'm good i'm I'm not good with how it is but for just flying blind for now just leave it how it is
But again, the NBA is ever evolving, so I might come back next week with a different opinion because that's just the way this goes. To wrap up the podcast, Mecca asked, what's your take on Kobe since it's almost been a year since he sadly passed away? Yeah, because today is actually the 25th. I've been recording this since last night, officially. Actually, no, I started right at midnight. And uh, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the tragic passing. Somebody asked Mark Gasol a similar question. Of course, Mark Gasol actually knew Kobe. I didn't. And uh, Gasol said he can't even talk about it publicly yet. He said that he can't even like process this yet, and that he was sorry, but he, he just can't do it. Yeah, Tyrone Lou, I just saw an article with him coming out saying that he had put the pictures of him and Kobe back up in his office because he just has to deal with this. The Lakers still break into the Mamba chant. Um, one, two, three, Mamba. They kept it from last season. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone is still dealing with that. I even, like, I considered, I considered, like, doing, like, most of this podcast about Kobe, but I didn't because, A, there's a season to cover and B, kind of wanted to just let let him rest, you know? Like, when, when it happened last year, I gave my raw thoughts about it because it was like one of the worst days of my life but i didn't want to do an entire podcast you know reopening that but i did want to talk about it a little bit i had always planned like i had already looked at my my january calendar and knew it was in some capacity kobe was going to be a part of this podcast and uh man um like shit what's your take like bro i don't know how i'm gonna deal with whenever somebody i know in my life and that's actually like close to me i don't know how i'm gonna deal with that if that ever if that ever happens if i see that in my lifetime i don't know how i'm gonna deal with that because if you weren't around or you found me in the years since that happened i did make a video when kobe passed on my main channel uh kind of like a raw video when it happened not like a reaction video but that was like the first time um i'd ever experienced grief it was the first time i've ever really been sad about a passing because i still have everybody i still have everybody nobody that i actually know that's close to me has ever gone like how the hell does that happen right i'm 25 years old and not not even so much as a grand a grandparent uh, even if it seemed like that was gonna happen it hasn't happened yet and now we're in a global pandemic i still hadn't hadn't lost anyone um but nah man like i'm trying to think uh i'm i'm honestly still trying to think of words <laughs> like i feel I feel Mark Gasol because, well, my, my thing, again, it's confusing. It's confusing because, like I said, I had never, I'd never met Kobe. The only time I was ever even in the same vicinity as him was in 2012 when the Orlando, when Orlando was able to host the All-Star game. And so we had the jam session and then all the All-Stars were there. And so, yeah, I temporarily was in the same gym as, uh, as Kobe, as Kobe being other than that, nothing. And so I had to kind of like wonder, like, man, how, how do, it, how does it feel like I lost somebody that I know? Like how, Sway? <laughs> that's that's crazy, right? Because like the closest thing to this before Kobe was Paul. Uh, I was about to say Paul Gasol, goddamn Paul Walker, and Paul Walker passed because I was a big Fast and the Furious fan, and so I got a little bit sad when he passed, but nothing close to like Kobe. Um, when that happened last year it was i didn't even get a chance to think it was fake like i didn't even get a chance to think it was fake because i was uh i was on twitter 
and before I was on Twitter, like, I just got, it was a regular ass day, man, that's the thing that just shows you, like, life comes at you quick, because I was at the gym, and I was about to start running my NBA Twitter Instagram, again, the NBA Twitter police, I was about to start doing that again, because I had an Instagram page for it once upon a time, back when I used to care to read people's trolling takes on the internet, and it was a regular ass day. I came home from the gym with my family and I had my shoes unlaced, just kind of sitting on the couch, exhausted. I think uh, my mom was cooking breakfast because I had went I went back with them to their place. because I knew she was cooking. And I saw on the TV that somebody somebody's helicopter crashed in Calabasas and they said everyone on board died. But that's all they said. Like they showed like a, a, a picture of the cloudy day there and they showed um like rescue helicopters and it's the craziest thing that in my head i had this thought like wow man isn't it crazy like how many i think they reported it as five people first don't quote me on that but i believe the news because it was a the news reports were all over the place that day they said rick fox was in it they there was a bunch of different reports but i believe on the news it said like oh yeah five people were passing the thought that i had in my head was like wow like i just heard five people just just vanished just like that but because I don't know them, because I have no clue, I've, I didn't know them before today, it's not that I can't feel empathy for the situation, but there's nothing that connects me to it. Like, I'm likely going to, it's a, it's a harsh truth, but I was like, I'm likely going to eat my food and probably not think about this again. And if you don't know what a monkey's fear is, look up a monkey's fear. That's a real thing, right? We can all act holier than now, but at the end of the day, we have a monkey's fear. That is a certain number of, of people, essentially, that we can give a fuck about. And so you know that's just you you hear tragic things every day and then you, there's tragic things you've heard in your life that you don't even remember you heard now it just happens like that as i thought that went through my head i was like damn that is terrible and it's also terrible that these people are that whoever this was just gone and you know we're, the world is just gonna keep spinning and i shit you not like i grabbed my phone because I, I just like instinctively grab my phone at random times and scroll twitter and instagram maybe like a couple of minutes after that i started scrolling twitter and like I saw, I'll never forget. I remember the exact picture they used of the man and everything on the little big new on the news for you page. It said Kobe Bryant killed in a helicopter crash. What in the fuck? And I didn't even get to think it was fake. I did not even get to think it was fake. I was 99% sure because I just saw it on the TV that there was a helicopter crash. Then I saw a helicopter crash on the phone. I didn't even get a chance to like have false hope that it was one of those those hoaxes. Didn't even get that. And uh, I still like to like you know you're asking what the take is like fam i was sad like that whole week like the rest of that day was shot um and like a year later i still really don't have words for it because my my connection if you're curious like why would i why would it feel that way i'm sure some of y'all felt that way too but my thing was like i was still kobe wasn't just a retired player to me like i was still interacting with tante his content I was watching his ESPN breakdowns, uh, any interview that came out with Kobe, I was watching. Um, I'd done numerous research on him because he was part of the Three Kings in New York series that I did way back when on this channel. So it, as stupid as I think that series was, or as badly, whatever, that, that's not even important. I did like a bunch of research on his quotes and mannerisms, all that stuff, right? And uh, he was like one of the most unique people on the planet to me from his work ethic and his perspectives on things. And so I believe the last uh, interview that I've really watched from him was the 
one of uh that he did with this company fuck i forgot what the company was called but it's a great interview if you look up kobe's last great interview i think it'll come up and yeah that you know his interviews with Shaq when they got to kind of just like talk about their whole careers like fam i i watched like everything kobe i (laughs) the craziest thing is that i made a video my last video before he passed was about him and it's not on my channel anymore because i removed it ironically before he passed it was part of the did he quit series it was i did a did he quit series for mj i did it for lebron and i did one for kobe and probably i removed it that morning it was probably about 1 or 2 a.m i removed that video and 10 hours later like he was gone that's great like that was my last video i posted that is just still so fucking eerie to me that's the eeriest thing in the world and um even more eerie lebron's entire speech before before kobe uh before that happened the night before after he passed him in philly he passes him in philly and gives that whole soliloquy basically about kobe and there's so much eerie shit about that man um but no i i i've not handled it well at all i don't know how other people i've not handled it well at all throughout the year though still try to make sense of it uh, I thought about it every single day since it happened. Every single day. There's not one day that passed in 2020 where I, where I didn't think of, about that. Um, just, yeah, shit, trying. I've tried to make sense of it every way possible. Um, that's part, That's how I found the Flight Channel, actually. The Flight Channel was one of the creator highlights I did. And the Flight Channel talks about, like, tragedies, basically, avi- aviation tragedies. That's how I found them, because they did one for Kobe. Because I just tried to try to make sense of, of of everything man um and that happened so quick and left no room for closure and like i feel for his fucking family because like one of the things i always think about when something like this happens not even just to him but like when tragedy happens to people in general i always wonder like yo how do people just get through that like how do people ever deal with the fact that they just left home or somebody, a loved one left home and then just didn't come back. Like, how do you even process that ever in your life? Like, how? I don't know. And then, so I think about Vanessa often and the fact that, like, you, it was enough to deal with a, a husband and the love of your life, but your daughter too. And everybody else on the chopper, chopper as well, because it was, there's like a, there's kids that are left without siblings and parents from that chopper. Like, I think about that all the time. Some, that's just part of life that doesn't make sense. Um, but I guess, like, again, I don't know, everybody, like, copes differently, everybody grieves differently, my grieving over the year was, again, just trying to make sense of it, and so, reading different things, um, going back and, you know, looking over that day, I guess as time has passed, I've tried to, I've tried to just look at the things that he's left, so like his interviews and stuff that I watched, uh, his last interview with Steven Jackson and Matt Bournes, God fucking damn it, bro. ESPN had a special that I missed tonight because I, yeah, I was, the football was on and but God damn it. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the ESPN because they, they had a Kobe Bryant legend. Um, they, this was a terrible day. I mean, I guess they picked it because it was, it's right before the anniversary, but they could have done that tomorrow. They could have done that on the 25th, man. Fuck. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and watch that now yeah um oh yeah the the big book by roland lansaby that's what i was talking about with research yeah i read a book on kobe way way before this happened i read that so i i just 
I don't know, man. I'm probably I'm probably rambling right now because you're asking for a take. Like Mark Gasol said, he was like, I don't, I don't, I can't talk about it yet. I don't know. I still don't have great thoughts about it. If you're looking for some great, like, profound thoughts on like the life of Kobe Bryant and the tragedy and all that, I don't have any. A year later, I don't have any. A year later, um, I've often thought to myself, like, throughout this, throughout this last year, I was like, bro, I'm gonna be 40 years old, and I'm still gonna like. I'm still going to remember that day clear as day. I'm still going to remember that moment and it's still going to feel as bad. That's honestly how I've thought about it. Cause I'm like, bro, he's, he's always going to be gone now, man. Always going to be gone. I guess that's, and that's such a, that's such a, that's such a bad perspective to have about it. I guess that's why, where I was going with it. I've tried to look at the things that he left while he was here rather than the tragedy and what led up to the tragedy and all that. Just trying to look at, uh, you know, the good things, the good things that he left. And, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how to make sense of death. I, I don't at all. Kobe Bryant was my first ever, uh, my first ever reason to explore that. Like I said, I didn't have that with anybody else. And so, that, this, this is my first process, and I think it's gone like shit. And it also feels crazy, because, like, here I am doing an entire, what is this, like, 20-minute speech here at the end of this podcast about someone I didn't know, but... That's just how that's just how it's happened for me, man. That's just how it's happened. Still every bit as angry about it as I was a year ago. And um Yeah man, that's that's kinda all I have, bro. That is kind of that is that is kinda all I have. I guess one of the things that's left over is like when you're a kid I guess the last thing I'll say about it what makes it so crazy is like you grow up I don't know how y'all grew up viewing the NBA, but I always grew up viewing the NBA again as a kid everyone in there seemed invincible they seemed immune to like all the problems of the outside world of course you grow up and especially with the social climate we've had over the last few years you realize that it's completely not true at all but you never heard about players and tragedies and all that rarely rarely ever did you right and especially not the current stars or the recently retired ones you just didn't and so uh yeah that that was another thing when that happened it was just like wow like I handled it like shit over this last year. If that had to happen when I was a kid, I don't know what I would have thought. I don't know, man. But, uh, yeah, I know this is probably a good place to end the podcast. I, I wish I had better, more coherent thoughts. But I guess I can leave you with this. I leave you. I have a book coming tomorrow. Um, The Three Reading Circus about Kobe, Shaq, and L.A. Again, just trying to read about times that happened and things that happened while he was here. I have that one coming. Uh, Mamba Mentality was a book he wrote that I uh, read. I got it the day it came out. Like I, like I said, I interacted with all of his stuff. I got it the day it came out back in like 2018. Uh, the book by Roland, Roland Lanzaby, Lazenby, I don't know how to pronounce it, but you'll find it. It's a thick-ass book by Kobe Bryant written far before the tragedy. It was a great book. It's like everything Kobe. So those are some things you can read if, uh, you know, if you're just looking for Kobe content. And that's kind of what I'll leave you with, man. Uh, after this podcast release, it will, that day will come, and I still don't know how, I still don't know how that day is going to go, man, I still don't know how that day is going to go, because I do, I, I, I feel like I lost somebody I knew, I do, and I didn't, you know, like I said, I, if I feel that way, what does the family feel like, right, but that's shit, that's how it feels, man, well, this podcast is done, podcast 10 is at the end, uh, the play now online videos again. I I've been working on some over the week. I streamed a lot this week, like I said. So 
I didn't have many videos come out here, but played out online, Smash Bros. online. I'll be posting some of that here. And uh, this podcast is on Spotify and iTunes, so you can listen to it there if it's easier for you. The link is in the comment section description. Should have mentioned it at the beginning, but, um, you know, it's all by now. If, you, if you're if you a supporter, you know, right? If you know, you know. Yeah, you know, you know to rate it five stars, right? An Apple podcast. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you to share it or hit the like button and comment if you want to see more on this channel. And the bell next to the name if you want notifications when the video drops. I'm out. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.